0: decency is not derived from religion, it precedes it.
1: The religion of one age
2: is the literary entertainment of the next. The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction.
0: Exceptional claims demand exceptional Welcome to the podcast of leaders in free thought this is where Seth and I get together and discuss issues of importance to atheists skeptics freethinkers, and others who base their lives around reason we bring you news interviews and thoughtful discussion on topics of importance to people in the free thought community I'm Seth and I'm Jeff and you're listening to the leaders in free thought
1: hey what's going on podcast listeners This is Seth, I'm broadcasting from my overpriced apartment in Seattle. Today on the podcast, we have a Mr. Dustin Lance Black. And this was an interview I did uh, a couple months ago, three months ago in April. And I wasn't sure what to do with it because it wasn't very long. It was like a 10-minute short interview that I had with him. And I wanted to turn it into kind of a since the interview wasn't very long, I wanted to turn it into a longer, I wanted to integrate it into a larger episode of maybe something like Mormonism or maybe something like gay rights activism, something like that. But I never got around to it. I probably should have visited a Mormon temple or something around these parts because I think Mormonism is really bizarre and fascinating. And maybe I'll do that eventually one of these days. A week ago, about a week ago, I got a visit from some Mormons, some Mormon missionaries, I guess you would say. If I had the presence of mind, I would have run tape on it cause I thought it was great. I probably learned a few things because I don't know a lot about Mormonism. And usually when people come to my door to evangelize um, or proselytize, I'll usually just say, oh, I'm too busy. I'm sorry. I can't, you know, whatever. Um, but you can leave me a pamphlet. Can't talk right now. Blah, blah, blah. But the other day when they came by, I it was like a Saturday morning. I didn't have shit to do. I just went ahead and invited them in, and my house looked like crap. My wife was still in her underwear, and she was really pissed at me later. She let me know. Dirty dishes piled up the sink. I mean, it was just a mess, and I didn't really have any place for them to sit down. But I was like, hey, guys, um, y'all want to come in? We can talk about Mormonism. We can talk about LDS. We can talk about Joseph Smith. Whatever. Let's do this. So they came in, and we had a nice chat. Uh, they were they were two young guys. One was one claimed to be 21, and the other 24. I just you know asked them about because because I don't know a lot about the Mormon faith. The only real exposure I've had with Mormonism is a book by John Krakauer called "Under the Banner of Heaven." It's truly a well-written, fascinating book. It covers kind of like the the beginning, the Genesis, the inception of the Mormon religion back in the 19th century and then also kind of the modern FLDS and maybe a little bit about the LDS as well and and if that book is true which I mean I have no reason to believe it isn't true John Krakauer's has a reputation of being a very good writer a very good journalist I don't think he has a history of of just making up accounts or distorting accounts of something because of personal bias so Assuming that it's true, um, which I do, I mean, you read it and you think, how can anyone really be a Mormon? The story of Joseph Smith, like, he was obviously a con man. Obviously. Obviously a con man. And Brigham Young was just obviously this running sore of a human being. So, I'm not going to get into it that much. But (laughs) if you're interested, I recommend you go read it. Under the Banner of Heaven, again, is the title. So anyway, these Mormons, uh, I was talking to these Mormons and, and I was asking them a little bit about uh, their personal faith, a little bit about their history. They were asking me about mine. Uh, they started off with a really good question. First thing they asked when, when I opened the door, I was like, hey, we got some Mormons here. And they're like, hey, you mind if we ask you a question? And I was like, hey, no problem. What role has religion played in your life? And that's, that's the kind of question where if you want to answer it honestly, it takes a fair bit of thinking. And it's not, it's not a yes or no question. Which is good because then it kind of starts a dialogue. You can't just say no and shut the door, or you can't say yes, and just just kind of shut down. If you want to answer that question honestly, you have to really think. What, what kind of question? What does that mean? What role has religion played in my life? Well, I stood there for a minute and I kind of like stared up at the sky and squinting my eyes. Like what, what role has religion played in my life? I was like, well, I'm an atheist now, but I was raised a Christian. I said something, obviously, but I can't remember what it was. Uh, and then I started asking them, I'm like, well, what about what about uh, you guys? Were we all both raised uh, as Mormons, and indeed they were. Have either of you struggled with your faith at all? Um, had some serious doubts as to whether or not uh, Mormonism was the true religion, whether or not a, a God really did exist, and the older guy uh, who's 24 said that he did have some doubts um, when he was about 16 but that god spoke to him and told him that uh, the book of mormon was truth and that the mormon faith was the one true faith and uh, and so he said you know ever since then i've been a true believer and then the other guy he said no i've never had any doubts i've always been i've always been on the right path and i was like okay well good for you sir i guess So I was asking him a little bit about, you know, what I knew, what little I knew of the Mormon faith. And I was like, I heard this thing, heard this thing about if a Mormon dies, then they get, they get their own planet to kind of be a God over, you know, every planet, I guess, has their own God, whatever. I don't know. And, uh, and they're like, yeah, we, we hear, we hear that a lot, but it's just, it's just not true. I don't know where it, it's come from. And I was like, really? Wow. I was like, where does these rumors get started, man? And then I asked them and I, again another question uh it's like well i heard that um you know there were like two tribes of israel or or some such nonsense uh, a long time ago and then one of them was cursed one tribe was kind of like the chosen people and the righteous people and, and then the other tribe was kind of cursed and evil and god god turned their skin dark uh so you would recognize them and so i was like is that is that right that the light-skinned People are the the more righteous, and then the dark skinned people are cursed or evil, and they just kind of looked down, kind of sheepishly said, "Yeah, well, that that is kind of true. That's, I mean, that's what's in the book." And I was like, "Okay." Uh, and they gave me a Book of Mormon. I tried to refuse it, but they they insisted. So I took the Book of Mormon. And in the Steve Wells interview, you'll hear I remembered him saying that uh, the phrase "and it and it came to pass" um, was it littered throughout the the Book of Mormon, and if, if you took all those phrases out, it would be nothing more than a pamphlet, you know. And so I would just open it up to a random page, and, like, every single paragraph started with, and it came to pass, that blah, 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 and it came to pass, that blah, blah, blah. And if it didn't, if that phrase didn't start the paragraphs, then it was the last sentence in the paragraph, and blah, 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 and it came to pass. So that was interesting. you think they could save some paper and some ink by putting, like, and it, and it came to pass that colon. And then just have a big list of shit, you know, bullet points, made easier to read. But anyway, enough about Mormons for now. This week we have Dustin Lance Black. If if you don't know who he is, Google him, look him up on Wikipedia. He wrote Milk, uh, which was a it's an incredible it's an incredible incredible movie. I'd like to thank Mister Black for writing that movie and getting the ball rolling on it. Um, because otherwise I would never have heard of Harvey Milk, I don't think. But anyways, I'm going to let you, I'm going to stop rambling. I'm going to get to Dustin. Here's, here's Jeff and I, Jeff and ours interview, Jeff and my interview, Jeff and mine interview with Dustin Lance Black. All right, so today on a podcast, we have uh, Academy Award-winning writer, director, producer, gay rights activist, Mr. Dustin Lance Black. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. For those who don't know you, you wrote the screenplay for Milk, That's right. w- which you received the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. I'd like to know where the, where the idea to make this film came from.
2: I, you know, I was trying to get the job writing a version for Warner Brothers for a long time, and I fought really hard to get that job, and uh, once was told no, and that I didn't have enough experience, which was sort of true. I was a writer on Big Love. I was just a baby TV writer. So I ended up working a bit harder and going up to San Francisco to get all the firsthand interviews so that I didn't need a book and I didn't need you know, a movie or anything like that to base it upon. And I went and met all the real-life friends and foes of Harvey's. And, I, and I, I got to know the real man, not just this legend of the man that I'd heard of as a kid. And I guess that's the bigger question is, like, why do it? And, and for me, it was that I was a gay kid in San Antonio, Texas, military, Mormon family. My whole life, I've been told I was less than, something was wrong with me, you know, whether it be by, uh, through the government or a church, or even my own family, I heard those messages. And it really took a toll on me until I heard about the story of this openly gay man who was beloved, and he ran for public office, and he had this whole speech he gave about how important it was to give hope to the hopeless, including me. And I think he'd saved my life. So I did all this work in San Francisco so I could bring that message back to life because it's one I thought had been lost for some time in the gay movement. And I went and pitched it back to Warner Brothers, to these producers at Warner Brothers, and they again said, no, forget about it. We won a writer with an Academy Award, which I didn't have at the time. So then um, I I did it myself. I pulled out my credit card, and I continued to work on the script. continued to do my research with that money. When it was finally finished, uh, I got it to Gus Van Sant. I'd met him once before. And Cleve Jones, my... My most treasured, I think, source for the film uh, knew him very well too, and thankfully he said yes. And he and I, without any studio support, went to Sean Penn, and he said yes. And we started to build this cast and build this crew, uh, and we built it until it—it it was one of those things that you know, a studio just couldn't say no to anymore. And that was Focus Features, who I'll be forever indebted to yeah, for yeah. saying yes.
1: For better or for worse, I think I don't know if I'm like a lot of people, but. Uh there, there's like a lot of people and a lot of issues that I wouldn't like have a clue about if it weren't for Hollywood, like making a biopic or a documentary about it. Uh, Milk was the very first time I heard about the story of Harvey Milk. So yeah, I don't I think you're alone was, there. Yeah, I thought it was a very, very powerful story. Is it is it safe to say that the story of Harvey Milk helped you come out? Yeah,
2: I mean, I certainly think Harvey's story helped me come out. It was a combination of being transferred from a military base in Texas to one in the Bay Area in California, going to the theater and actually meeting gay and lesbian people, uh, seeing that it wasn't all the scary things I'd heard it was, having a, a gay mentor who probably saved my who introduced me to Harvey Milk, probably saved my life, kept me, it will help me feel like there would be hope. You know, I'm sort of losing track. What was the original question? Oh, I, was I, get, just, yeah. I get lost in Harvey. <laughs> I get like, emotional about Harvey.
1: Uh, no, I just said, uh, if, if Harvey, the story of Harvey Milk helped you come out. Yeah,
2: no, so I think that's right. So, yeah, I mean, I think there were a lot of things that added, that added up to me finally coming out. But Harvey was certainly a piece of that. And it wasn't until I'd already come out that I finally got to see things like The Times of Harvey Milk, which is a fantastic documentary about him. But it affirmed that I'd done the right thing.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask uh, about Big Love. Other than just storytelling, did you have... Agenda is the wrong word, but you have goals with that, in the idea. Or were you trying to present a sort of Mormon culture? Were you trying to condemn? Again, wrong word, but were you? What was your goal, or what idea would you like people to take away from that?
2: Well, I never. It's a true, you know, it's a true story in that it's based on uh, circumstances that exist now. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, you know, certainly Mormonism exists now. Mainstream Mormonism exists uh, in Sandy, Utah, where it's based, but also fundamentalist Mormonism exists in Utah right now. This show was already, it was not my idea. It was Mark Olson and Will Sheffer's idea and it was being fueled by Plato and Tom Hanks's company. It existed already. I was brought in and I really think my job and what I really, uh, what I worked hard to do was to make sure it was accurate, mm-hmm. which was a strange position for me because I had left the Mormon church, but I found myself yeah. more often than not defending the Mormon church in the writer's room and not allowing people to take cheap shots at it. Yeah. Cause I felt like uh, even though I'm incredibly critical of so much of what the church does and has done, it only harms my arguments if I take cheap shots. Mm-hmm. Um, so more often than not, you know, I, I, I try not to have, I think in most of my writing, I don't want to have a good guy and a bad guy. I want to understand where, you know, the protagonist is coming from, but I also really want to understand the humanity of the antagonist. Mm-hmm. I hope that also shows in like Dan White and Milk. Um, so Yeah, certainly, I get that. So I think, it, because otherwise, if it's just black hat and white hat, what understanding do you really come away with? Yeah. And I think we really need to understand the fundamentalist Mormon church, because I mm-hmm. think it is dangerous, but we need to understand it if we're going to confront it.
0: Now you were talking about uh, how you've sort of uh, backed away from the Mormon church, and you're having a lot of a lot of problems with uh, the way it exists now. How has your faith sort of survived the journey? hmm of in what way has it survived the journey from a kid in Texas to where you are now?
2: Well, it was tough. It was really tough for a while because it's all I knew was growing up Mormon. You know, I was Mm -hmm. in the Randolph Ward. It was a very inclusive but or warm ward. But it was all I knew. You spend six days a week going to church. And so I didn't know any other form of truth or any other kind of religion. I didn't really understand that other people felt differently or understood (laughs) differently. And, uh, and when I, I finally, when we finally left the church, you know, we had some violent episodes and some really horrifyingly misogynistic things were done and said to my mother, mm-hmm. um, and obviously homophobic things were said and done, you know, around me and affected me. You know, I lost my religion. I lost my faith. And that, hap- that lasted for a very long time. Um, I don't know if I ever ever got to a place where i was atheist i think sometimes when you have believed in something so strongly yeah and then you lose that you never feel sure to feel strong that strongly again so i never became atheist and it's really uh, you know in the past maybe decade that i started to find my spirituality again Mm mm-hmm And I think that it's so important that people find their spirituality. I don't care how you define it, if it's just a personal truth or if there is a God or if there is an organized religion you attend. I think it's a sad thing that people are robbed of it. And I think it's a really sad thing that gay and lesbian people are kicked out of it and told that they don't have access to it. Uh, Because whatever, you you know, whatever your spirituality, even if it's just your connection to your fellow man, uh, I think it's incredibly important that you maintain, that you retain it and nurture it. So that's where I'm at now. Interesting.
1: Were you, were you an LDS or an FLDS? Uh, we were LDS. Oh, we were okay. mainstream
2: Mormon. Mm-hmm. I mean, the two are not so different than one another. Uh, most of the beliefs are the same. And certainly for LDS people, in the afterlife, polygamy exists. Uh, and, and in the afterlife, you know, things don't look so different for, for them. So it's not like it's, it was such a leap to understand fundamentalist Mormonism.
1: Most of my knowledge of, of Mormonism comes from the book by John Krakauer, Under the Banner of Heaven. Yeah, I great don't know book. if you, read that. Oh, you like it. I was, was going to ask how, like, how accurate that is because mm-hmm. it's uh, been criticized obviously by the Under by the Banner Mormonism, of Heaven
2: which... might be my next movie. Oh, really? So, oh, wow. uh, it's something I'm working on right now uh, over at Imagine, Ron Howard's company. Wow, okay. Uh, you know, if, if John Krakauer is so good as to let me tackle it and that's the question right now um, I'd like to. And the reason I gum- I came to it is uh, when I read it, it all felt true. It all, it all matched up with, because every other chapter is the history of the Mormon Church, mm-hmm, and it mm-hmm. all matched up with what I had learned about the Mormon Church, either in the Mormon Church itself, about what belief means, about what it means to receive revelation, and also with the things I learned after I left the Mormon Church about the history of the Mormon Church. So I found it incredibly accurate, incredibly moving, and kind of a lesson about religious extremism of any form, not just... Mormon religious extremism. So I think the lesson is a universal one. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, I was, I didn't, I didn't write a question about this, but as, as you were talking, it, it certainly came to mind. I think, I think it's pretty obvious and pretty safe to say that the Republican party is antagonistic toward gay rights. I can, I consider myself um, a liberal Democrat, Uh but at the same time, the Democratic Party is a little bit tepid, and I, I think you touched on this a little bit, a little bit tepid when it comes to gay rights. Like the 2008 election, civil rights, was, right, or sure. civil unions, I mean, was like as far as they would go. They wouldn't, wouldn't quite think m- they make that step that? Till, it was like to gay so, marriage. It was so weak. What do you think about civil unions? Is that Oh, what do I think of civil unions? Yeah.
2: Um, I, I think that's off the table now. I mean, I, I hardly hear people talk about it. I think we've gotten to a place where we understand that separate is equal in this country. We don't have one kind of relationship recognition for one kind of people and a different for a different uh, kind of people. I mean, one of the things that's become incredibly clear is even in states right now where we have uh, civil unions and marriage, they're still second-class marriages. They still don't have all of the benefits of all the long history of case law that applies to the word marriage. Mm -hmm. And they certainly don't have federal rights attached to them. And those are some important rights, immigration, social security. These rights don't apply to these marriages and these civil unions. So it's not equal. The place where I think it's the least equal is for the children of and the families of gay and lesbian couples. Nobody goes to school and is proud to say that my parents are in a civil union. What they want to feel is that their family is as acknowledged, as protected, and valued in this country as their heterosexual classmates. And that word's called marriage. And everyone should have access to it. So uh, I think that's off the table. I, I, I hardly hear either side talk about that anymore I think we've moved past that I'm glad we've moved past that you know and, and but to and to address your thing about the right and the left absolutely mm-hmm. gay and lesbian people you know I I come from the Democratic Party but that's not who I work with I mean at, mm-hmm. at, my, at my foundation American Foundation for Equal Rights we work with Ted Olson the hero of the right and David Boyce the hero of the left we can the gay and lesbian movement cannot depend solely on the left no civil rights movement in the history can depend solely on one party. Not at all. It's got to be seen as a civil rights movement, and that's why we have to have bipartisanship and get rid of this red-blue divide stuff if we're in a minute.
1: to mention this just because the company the the pod hosting company i guess you'd call it that i go through has an option where they can create apps apps for your podcast show and so i signed up for that the only app we have right now is an android app i've never used it i don't have an android i wish i did i heard they're badass but it's an android app we have it available. It's been available for a few weeks now. Um, I was supposed to get an iTunes app as well, but then they recanted on the whole iTunes thing. So we have a, We have an Android app out. It's cost a $1.99. I had absolutely no control over the price. A friend of mine was bitching at me because she thought the price was just unreasonable, and I have no control. That I, I have zero control over the price. But it's out there if you want it. I did spend... With the app, I have the option to include bonus content Uh, strictly for the app users. I can include like pictures, like who gives a fuck about pictures, and I can include PDFs, and who gives a fuck about PDFs. I also can include bonus audio content. So a couple of weeks ago, I spent a bunch of my time backlogging all, all of our past episodes with bonus content. So if anyone did want to download the app to pay a buck I get I think I get seventy cents of that buck ninety nine. So you'd be supporting me marginally. <laughs> I could go out and uh, buy I don't know what I could buy with seventy cents. If everyone bought it I might be able to take take my wife out to a nice dinner or something. But I don't imagine that happening. But anyways, if you wanted to pay the dollar ninety nine and download the app if you have an Android, then I'd tried to make it I tried to make it where you would at least get something for your money and it wouldn't just be a nothing app but anyway that's I guess all I have to say about that so until next time you're listening to the leaders in free thought podcast thank you for joining us
2: this has been the Leaders in Free Thought podcast with Seth and Jeff. As Leaders in Free Thought is a free podcast, all they ask for is a two and two. Take two minutes and leave a comment in iTunes or tell two of your friends.